and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is, like, what is this show about? Like, if you could give me, like, one word to tell me what this show is about, it doesn't really make it clear which is very frustrating. Like, one word. No, the panel's open. Like, just, like, one word about what the show's about. No, 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 Ben. Ben, they, they tell you. You say no, it's not clear. No, they don't. They do tell you. They do tell you, Ben. They tell you over and over and over, and it's a fucking cop-out. They tell you it's a show about death. No, they don't. They do. They say it over and over again, Never and heard it's it. not good. Never it's heard not it. It's not good. It's, I, it, to, I will not oh, have these lies. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Keep okay. it. Okay. Keep it. Yes. Yes. Because I, that's what I hated from the very beginning. Here's what I have in my notes. Uh, welcome to a show. I, it should have blacked out. Way, the opening was way too long. Um, it should have blacked out way earlier. We didn't need the jazz section, but I have uh, uh, telling us that it's a show about death is a fucking cop out. Because they're making it much, they're trying to be edgy, like a sophomore, like doodling poetry in their health notebook. Like, yeah, this is going to be a show about death. Like, come Come on, on, man. Be scary on its own. I'm sorry, I'm already mad. So what are we doing here today? So today's no 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 we are just fucking diving right in and i am here for it today's a big question absolutely we love choice we love choices we love questions and we love choices today's episode of course is about the 1988 film beetlejuice directed by timothy walter burton better known as tim burton and of course its subsequent musical adaptation uh, the 2019 adaptation, Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical, the musical. The musical. <laughs> with a, that's, that's the title. No, um, it's not, is it? Really? In the, mar- in, in the marketing, and at least on the marquee, it is, uh, I gotta finish the intro. Sorry, Beetlejuice, sorry, sorry. The, yo, how dare you? Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical, the musical, with a book by Anthony King and Scott Brown and music and lyrics by Eddie Perfect. And here to talk Today, as our wonderful guest, she is a Chicago-based actor, improviser, writer, tarot reader. She is very funny on the social medias. She is a wonderful (laughs) mother to a bunch of plants. Um, Friends, several plants. Uh, Friends, the wonderful Sarah Costello is here with us Thank you so much for having me. Um, Sarah, now Sarah, I, first of all, I, I just knew when I was like figuring out who was going to guest on here, I just knew I wanted to have you on just cause you are a very, uh, funny and lovely human. Um, and I sent you over sort of like the list of like the episodes we were going to do. And I should, I mean, I should have known what you were going to pick. I don't know what was wrong <laughs> with me. Um, I would say you're a very, it's commonly no, you're a very spooky person. You're, you're a Halloweeny, if you will. I am. Um, that's a good deal of my personality. Uh, is is just being um, the Halloween girl. Yeah. Uh, but I've been watching Tim Burton since I was a kid. Um, I I mean, my dad showed me Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, you know, I was born in '92, so maybe like '94. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since then, it's been in my blood. And I, I mean, he's gotten off the rails a couple of <laughs> in the last couple of films now, but his golden era, uh, you can't beat it. So yeah. I'm so happy to talk about this. Absolutely. No, Tim. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess that's where we should, that's where we should start, I suppose, with, with Tim Burton. Brandy, you a Tim Burton fan? Oh yeah. I mean, same thing. There's several of them are really not good at all. Not, but, not, uh, a, not, not an that, Alice in Wonderland fan? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, even though I'm a big fan of a fan of the dance called the flugelhorn or whatever <laughs> it is that he does. Big fan of that dance and its culture, but no, I couldn't get behind that movie. I'm God, sorry. No, no, it's, um, excuse me, Bran, it's called the Futter Wagon. Yeah. The dance that John me God. off is what I said. <laughs> God bless you. I all right, know. so... There are okay. Actually, there are a few caveats that I we gotta put at the top of this episode. Um, of course, there's a, a inexplicably this the musical of Beetlejuice is very popular, especially with the young with young folk. And I'm thrilled for you. I'm absolutely like, and I do not mean with this like with any malice. I really don't. This is a genuine joyful um, series. This a podcast series. And I do. I never want to like yuck someone's yum. That is not sure. what this is about. I sure. never want to say that the thing you like is bad. If you love this show, I'm I'm genuinely thrilled for you. Like I'm so glad that you have this piece of theater that you hold near and dear to your heart. Wonderful. Yeah. Um. However, just... I will yuck that yum. <laughs> no, I, no, like ge- no, ge- genuinely. I want, I just, and again, I feel like just, I am not telling you that you are not allowed, and no, this, no one here, I would like to think, uh, maybe Bran, I don't know, no one here is telling you maybe. that you should not like Beetlejuice, the musical, or that right. you, like, don't have good taste if you don't, if you, if you like Beetlejuice, the musical. That's, like, not what we're right. here to discuss. And I would even, like, I'm not making any value judgments on anyone even involved in Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, musical the, musical, the musical. Like, I, and we'll get into the writers, Anthony King and Scott Brown love, I love Gutenberg, the musical. I love that show of theirs that they've written. They are maybe some of the funniest writers out there. Eddie Perfect has written some real bangers of songs in the past, and there are some nice ones in here that we'll talk about. And Alex Timbers, who directed it, is a really fucking fantastic writer and director. There's a, And, of course, the cast is really great, too. So there's a lot oh, of great yeah. people involved. I'm not here to say that y'all are bad, and I do not want anyone to drag us for some potentially oh, yeah, negative things. And here's the thing. It, all of this that I am saying is simply um, going to be my opinion of this. Yeah. And, I, and I think and I think here's the thing. I realized by the end of the show, I agree. The production value off the charts, yep. the vocal talent and the acting talent off the charts. There's a hundred percent commitment there. They, they created something really beautiful. And I realized by the end of it, if I had never seen the movie Beetlejuice, I probably would have liked it. So and that's and that's kind of the the. I had sort of like the joke question at the top, but actually the larger question that I have is, and I'll, I'll actually read this quote because I think it's just something to think on. This is Alex Timbers in a, uh, in an interview uh, with American theater magazine. Um, okay. When I look at Beetlejuice and he's referring to the musical, it's not a straight up adaptation of the movie. It's almost like a fan fiction version. Different characters are important. The plot is wildly different. 
everyone feels inspired by the film, but none of it is actually like the film. There are people who love and grew up with Beetlejuice, and then these producers basically said, make your own Beetlejuice. And I feel like there's something wildly creative and fun in that. And so that informs so much. And I was, yeah, so I would say we are not here to, I mean, I'm trying to not be here to make value judgments about this material. I'm just interested in the fan fiction of it all. I'm interested in the taking the familiarity and the brand of Beetlejuice and what it means to mess with it in the way that they did. Ben, are you mad that I said the opening number was too long? <laughs> I no! Think that's where the, I think that's where this is coming from. <laughs> no. No. All right. Tim, Tim Burton. Sure. Um, I, I would say in my teenage years, growing up in America in the 2000s, um, I had I, I had two directors who I sort of like stuck to. They were like very early, like these are my guys, um, Kevin Smith and Tim Burton. I feel like they are such like baby auteur directors, like in the way that like they are they are have, they have such familiar sort of like identities. Like Tim, like you know a Tim Burton film when you see it. You know a Kevin sure. Smith film when you hear the dialogue. They are like oh if you want if you want to like watch these films. That'll walk you into, like, the concept of, like, what a director is. I feel like they are such sort of, like... They're, like, prime examples. Whether, like, their films are good or not, especially in the case of Kevin Smith, whose films are, uh, do not really hold up. Um, but either... But I was a huge Tim Burton fan. And, I mean, I kind of still am. Especially of, like, the first half of his career. Um, right. I mean, like, Edward, like, brilliant masterpiece of a film Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure maybe like one of the greatest comedies um ever made actually Corpse Bride is one of my favorite movies Corpse Bride's I think lovely it, too yeah yeah the music I think is some of the best um Elfman's a good one yeah oh my god he didn't um, have to go so hard in these Beetlejuice songs but no he, he did, did. Probably his best. I saw I saw that I saw I that Ren uh yes it's it's a good one I tied with maybe Spider-Man Oh god, because that Spider-Man theme is so really good. good. Spider-Man Two is a yeah. great score. God, Spider-Man Two. I wish I wish we could do turn off the dark on this podcast. It doesn't count. It's not. It's based on the comics. It's not based on any of the films. But... Based on her dream. Oh my god, what's her <laughs> Julie Taymor's dream? Literally. Yeah. Have you read the book? Have you read the book about the making of the musical? Ooh, no. Uh, Glenn, juicy. Uh, Glenn Berger, who uh, wrote the book for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, wrote the literal book about the making of the musical. If It is one of my favorite books. It is like oh a my God. brilliant like behind the scenes of how a multi-million dollar musical gets made. Huh. Direct, uh, uh, speaking of a multi-million uh, dollar musical. Uh, but oh, yes, t- oh, but Tim Burton's great. No, like... Um, the, I love his Batman movies. Um, he didn't direct it, but Nightmare Before Christmas, of course, is a banger. Um, yeah, like he's, he, great, wonderful director. Beetlejuice is his second film, which is kind of wild. Really? Right after Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Yep. 1988. Yeah. He, so he made Pee-wee's Big Adventure, huge success, like pretty much cost like nothing to make made heaps of dough and so uh, Warner Brothers was like whatever you can do whatever um 
And he did. And he did whatever. So he got the script uh, by Michael McDowell called Beetlejuice. Um, and they and he was like, yeah, this is it. I mean, and it's like, I mean, it screams like his aesthetic. I mean, obviously, like he oh, yeah. imprinted so much of himself onto it with like just like the design and the, the elfman of it all and the, the stop motion mm-hmm. of it all. Um, stripes, like, lots of stripes, lots, oh, lots of stripes, lots of swirls. Uh, similar, I noticed uh, one of um, the sculptures moves in the same way that some of the puppets do in Nightmare. Like yeah. so much is reflected. Absolutely. I wonder if it was some of the same uh, animators. Maybe. In the stop motion. Who knows? Um, But yeah, so it's a script by Michael McDowell. um, And then it was uh, a a rewrite, a a little bit of a rewrite by Warren Scarron to make it a little... Apparently the original script was a lot darker. It was not as much of a comedy. Um, So this new rewrite by Warren Scarron made it a little bit funnier, which I think helps. It's a very funny film. Um... But yeah, I be- and I believe one of the funny things about it is the studio wasn't sure about calling the film Beetlejuice, and of course they wanted it to call it uh, House Ghosts. <gasps> no. I mean, l- listen, uh, pretty accurate. Pretty kind of accurate awesome title. <laughs> but can you imagine me like, oh, my favorite film is House Ghosts. <laughs> like... Well, but then, but then Tim Burton was like, "That's fucking stupid. You might as well call it like Scared Sheetless or something." And the studio was like, "Scared Sheetless. That is actually a pretty good title." Oh my god! No. But no, they got away with calling it Beetlejuice, even though he's not in the film a lot, which is maybe why it's good. And we'll get into that. Yeah, that's kind Biggest of a selling with point. The adaptation. Yeah. Oh, we're really gonna. Oh man, I don't Wait. like where this is going. Wait, are you? Do you want more of Beetlejuice in the film? I mean, I thought it was an appropriate. Maybe, maybe more. I love Michael. Ke- I got. I love Michael Keaton in this role. I love. I oh, love, he's I, amazing. I love okay. Michael Keaton in any role. Um, Very true. Yeah. But so, because yeah, I don't know. I don't know how sort of like bit by bit we want to go through this. I guess sort of on a conceptual level. I, so Beetlejuice the film is about the Maitlands. It is about Adam and Barbara Maitland, uh, played by uh, Gina Davis. Um, wonderful. And of course, and Sarah, you you mentioned this before. Uh, Alec, and I, I picked on this up in this well, because how can you not? It's Alec Baldwin at his hottest. Who oh, yeah. gave him the right? My second note. That I <laughs> <laughs> he is such a the, snack. The audacity. Uh. The gall, like, oh my god! I have you have either of you seen Thirty Rock? Yeah. Okay. You know how there's that line where they're talking about uh, uh, John Hamm and he's in the bubble, and Jack yeah. is like, "I used to be in the bubble. God, I gotta get back in that bubble." And that's what it feels <laughs> like. That's when Alec Baldwin was in the bubble. He yeah. was, oh god. No. But yeah, so it's about them, the Maitlands. They're this lovely family. Uh, in they got this new home in in like rural Connecticut. Um, he work he owns like a hardware store. Is that right? Um, I didn't catch that until this last rewrite. Yeah, and, and he's got yeah. this like beautiful like mo- like tiny model of the the town that they live in. Um, they got to like drive out to like pick something, and they're like ready to have a baby. They don't have one yet. They drive out. I, I can see you getting emotional about me, Sarah. About, I just <laughs> love it so much. It's all so sad. It's very sad. They die. That, that, you know what? It's I on this watch. I caught not only do they die, that dog fucking kills them. Yes. yes, that poor little puppy. 
pretty funny bit. <laughs> <laughs> Balance sport, like a teeter-totter thing, is always a pretty funny it's the, bit. I think that's the thing. Tim Burton, really, like especially in the first half of his career, he has a great sense of humor. He has Looney such. Tunes, a, too. I mean, it's yeah, all very. Looney it's very tunes. Looney Tunes. Yeah, but it's also yeah, it's it's just such a great type of comedy. I don't even know how to describe it, honestly. Yeah. I I agree. Some of these lines, it's oh my god, it's so perfect. But yeah. So so the Maitlands, uh, they cr- the, the dog causes them to like crash, and then the dog teeter totters, and then they fall in the river. Um, yeah. They go back to their house, and they think they're okay, but nope, they're dead. The Maitlands are dead. Uh, they find this handbook for the recently deceased. So they clearly must be dead. Diseased? Diseased. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and then the recently music, diseased. the music underneath, uh, like, recently deceased. Da-dum. Deceased. Elfman. Danny Elfman. It is also kind of wild that Danny Elfman never did do, he's never done a musical. I just don't think it's something that interests him. It's just not. I cannot source it, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere. He's just like, it's not for me. Which is fine. Whatever, dude. You make... I mean, he wrote the songs for Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, which I which I hope they never adapt to the stage. Oh I think God, that would be disastrous. Me. Only if it's puppets. All puppets. <sighs> but guess. even that, I mean, I, do we trust Julie Taymor now? After, I mean, no, no, no. I, good I, point, good point. I'll trust her. I want to trust her. She's great. I, I have an interesting point about when uh, Barbara and Adam come back to the house. Yes. Um, I, I read this. Um, I wish I didn't, but I read it in the little uh, Amazon um, notes that oh, come up sure. when you're watching yeah, yeah. it. And it pointed out that everybody else, when you see, um, spoiler alert, in the underworld, everybody else looks exactly how they were when they died. But yes, they're the yes, only yes. ones that don't. They come in sopping wet and then they don't for the rest of it. I think maybe think like that? maybe like their lungs. I wish you could hear like swishing sounds. Maybe like their lungs are filled up with water or something like that. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's just like fan theory bullshit. But it's like it could be that's... a little blue, I guess. Yeah, so. but then something. you like have your protagonist looking weird and blue for your entire film. It wouldn't be great. Um, but either way, so yes. But then you get this new family, uh, the Dietzes, who move into the house, and they're like this the beautiful like parody of just like. Reagan era, like asshole New Yorkers, just like the dad, uh, played by uh, Jeffrey convic- convicted sex offender Jones. Um, what? <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh well, that's this terrible, All right. terrible that's, people everywhere. That's uh, a rough one. Okay. Keep yeah. we going. So we don't have keep to keep talking. Going? But of course, That's... but of course, the mother, uh, Delia, <gasps> is played by um, the iconic oh Catherine God. O'Hara. Looking fine as hell also. Oh, yes, my God. If you don't let me gut out this house and make it my own, I will go insane and I will take you with me. My aunt <laughs> is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. It's. Uh, I mean, it's. Again, like again, I don't, I don't want to like bring in comparisons to the musical yet. Like, I, I want to just like stay true to this fucking film. But like, sure. I love, yeah, just like this. Again, it's like it's such a parody. I mean, he's such a parody of just like a. I'm just like I just want to stay at home. I'm just like a, a nice old '80s dad. I want to do. I just want to sit in my office and and just like write my do my stuff, do my business. Um, and then she's just yeah, this like fucking like conceptual artist. Nutto oh my God. woman. I don't know. She's it's great. It's just a 
brilliant. And then she has, her, of course, her interior designer, Otho. Obsessed um, with yes. Otho. The wonderful Glenn Shaddix, who also voices the mayor in Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, incredible. Yes. Incredible. Wonderful performance. Wow. Also in Heathers, which we will do eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> wow. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah so I think he, oh, he's great. I love, especially whenever he mentions he's, he's so complicated that he's, he's had so many different jobs. Yes. <laughs> Everything is like, yeah, I did that for a little while. But um, again, oh, like maybe he's lying. Maybe he's not. We don't know. It's just like part of the character, right? It's just these like <laughs> fucking like clout chasing artist types who are just oh. like throwing whatever against the wall. But then of course, uh. Delia's uh, stepdaughter and uh, what's the dad's name? My God, Robert. What uh, is his name? His name is Charles Dietz. Charles, way off. Uh, <laughs> but yes, and a miss. But yes, his daughter, uh, of course, Lydia Dietz by. The iconic Winona Ryder again, also in Heather's. But yes, she, she, just I feel like this was such like an iconic role for her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like just the look, the, just the the. I too am a. What what the fuck is that line? I, I too, too am strange and unusual. Yes. Uh, um, I myself am strange and unusual. I, yeah. man, society did Winona so wrong. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I mean the the incredible work that she did in. I, I mean. Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, uh, The Crucible, which everyone forget, The Heathers, oh, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, great actor, God. very very good actor. Um, got fucked Still over. Still very successful. I mean, yeah, she no, she got there. Again. Yeah, she got she back. Got in the, but no, that like two thousand slump where people were like, oh my god, she she stole a thing. It's like okay, oh, yeah. cool. You have you have gotten worse people. Uh, yes. You've made worse people successful. <laughs> like also, is... shoplifting is cool. Yes, that is... <laughs> <laughs> I, only I, making her cooler. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah, she is. It is giving her a lot. <laughs> You're not wrong, brain. Um, God, that's funny. But yeah, she is. Um, she is hashtag iconic as Lydia Deeds. Yes. Um, yes. just and like, I would. And she's just like, yeah, I can live here. This place is weird and creepy. She's. She. I wouldn't say she's. She's not like unemotional like she she like obviously like she has these like beautiful moments where she feels hurt and betrayed by the maitlands later in the film but yeah right. she's i mean she's like you know that like sort of like stereotypical like goth just like yeah whatever I, I, i'm trying to like figure out the best way to sort of just describe her demeanor maybe like a capricorn yeah, sure <laughs> I, this is way out of my wheelhouse sarah you can i'll throw all the astrology terms to you no but i got it's very interesting, and and it it brings up a lot of nostalgia of being that. Age. I mean, I guess I'm still kind of like that, but the idea of being that age and being in a house like that, and just totally being ignored by the adults and being like, I'm gonna find the secrets in this house. Yes. Like I'm gonna find the cool things about this house, and the even the smallest thing that everyone else ignores, like the attic, yeah. interests me. Yeah, I love. She's it. great. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then, oh yeah, and then we have this convention where the Maitlands cannot leave the house or else they go to like, what is it, like the moon, they go to like Saturn, Saturn. they go to Saturn and there are these sandworms and the sandworms as well are just, I mean, obviously they, they bring them over to the stage show because how can you, I guess, how can you not? They're just this brilliantly, like this utterly deranged piece of iconography. 
And you know, uh, we'll talk about that later. I, <laughs> but they're great. In the film, like the stop motion is great. And like Tim Incredible. Burton said, like he wanted this to have the feel of a B movie. And that's, I mean, like mission accomplished, my dude. Like it is just like, yeah. so it's cheesy without looking cheap, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a great way to put it. Um, like it looks like a dark ride. Yeah. Like, it really looks like a cool haunted house that you would ride through. Hell yeah. Expensive. Uh, but yeah, so then they go. So yeah, the the Dietzes are like turning the house into this like garish like art house of like bullshit. It's, uh, it's no, listen, her art Mo is dangerous. Her art is dangerous. <laughs> it's a great line. I'm just gonna keep saying it because it's, it's a good fucking line. It's- dangerous it's like ah oh god it's like some Siegfried and Roy stuff where it's like yeah, my lions they're dangerous but I understand them like it's just so oh god but anyway but the and the but the Malins have been able to keep the attic locked so that's sort of like their home base they're up there with their model um it's great um but then they're they're able to go to the nether the nether world um and they have they're gonna try and like speak with the, the higher-ups in the netherworld um, they go in the waiting room. A lot of fun uh, character designs in that waiting room. You got, again, like sort of showing like the people how they've died and that sort of like, like what they look like. You got that guy with like the the bones stuck in his. He choked oh on a bone. Um, there's like the woman who's like cut in half, so like her legs are on one side of the couch. Uh, just good. Sh- there's the guy who like. I guess, I don't know he, if he was, like, smoking or, like, got, like, in... Like, he's just, like, a crisp of a human. Yeah. <laughs> just trying and to like, down myself. And then I, I noted this, again, especially after watching the musical, uh, that Miss Argentina is the receptionist. And she literally says the line, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't get into my accident. I was like, aha, a, a, a clue. Um, put a pin in that for, for later. Um, but, yes, they go to speak with Juno, uh, who's just such a fun character as well. Just like this. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Sylvia Sidney, who just gives a brilliant performance, I would say. Uh, just this, this like chain smoking, like head of the dead. Yeah, she's got the slit in her throat. Slit throat. She smokes oh, and the incredible. smoke comes. Just like masterful. So cool. But yeah, she's like, you gotta fucking like scare them. Like, what do you? And yeah, and they've been. That's the thing. The Maitlands have been trying to scare them, and they've been like, been, they've been trying. It's not like they're like fucking wimps. Like, there's a thing right. where like they're in they're in Charles's office, and uh, Barbara pretends to like have the head gun. Like, they're doing their darndest. Yeah, but yeah, Juno tried. But Juno's like, you yeah, can't see ya. What are you gonna do? I'm doing Gilbert Gottfried, but whatever. But yes, <laughs> that's, I guess, what she sounds like in my brain. Um, but yes, yeah, so, yeah, she's like, you gotta, like, use what you have. Like, figure figure it out. But then, oh, yeah, and, and earlier in the film, they found this, like, newspaper scrap um, that says, like, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist. Um, and they're like, what about that guy? And Juno's like, no, he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, oh, and we do get like one short. There are like a few short clips of Beetlejuice. So you like see him from behind reading the newspaper. Oh right, I got And I love job. the yeah, like uh, the job openings turns to the obituaries. Good bit. Incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they see the commercial as well before this, right? They see him yeah. as like a cowboy. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like he's not oh. in a lot. Like he had. We haven't like seen him in person yet, and we're like about to be, like, 20, 30 minutes into the film, and, like, he's still, like... Again, like, the title character! He's still, like, in the periphery, which, again, I think is great. 
Sarah maybe disagrees. Um, I don't know yet. I did notice that too. Um, and I, 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 um, I, it's not, I think it is a choice and I think maybe it works. I just, I just love that stupid performance so much. Um, it's, I mean, right. what, and we're I, about to get to it and he's great. Okay. 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 Yeah, I prom- here, we'll, we'll dig into we'll dig into the juice I promise you um, but yeah so they're like alright we'll try and like scare them out and they do like the fucking like sheets over their head thing and it's like this isn't working and then yeah but oh so Lydia can see them because yeah, yeah she is she is strange and unusual and so she's able to see beyond the realm of the living um, and they and they like they quickly become friends which is you know which is nice Good on yeah. her. She's a sweet young girl. Um, she does. She's not a huge fan of her um, parents who oft ignore her. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like the oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because they're not really great parents. Like Charles is just like a fucking business businessman, um, and uh, Delia is just like a fucking artist lost in her shit. Yeah, <laughs> like they should not be raising a child. No. It's, it's, uh, it's very frustrating because she needs, she's looking for a lot of help and she's not getting it. And she even tries, like the fact that she keeps telling her parents like, Hey, by the way, it's haunted. This house is haunted. And they don't believe her until it benefits them. Frustrating. Um, so yes. So that, I think this is when the Maitlands get frustrated and this is when they're like, all right, fine. Uh, they say Beetlejuice three times. They get whisked into the and, and Beetlejuice is like hanging out in the model home for whatever reason. Which um, I love. Yeah, it's great. No, he eats that fly. He's a fucking prankster. Um, <laughs> they dig they dig him up from the grave. Um, he fucking flies out. God. And yeah, so Michael. <laughs> Amazing you're entrance. Ma- you're making making the arms out wide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for the listener, oh. I'm doing like the pose he makes when he leaps out of the 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 grave. But yeah, so, so Michael. <laughs> so obviously, Michael Keaton plays uh, Beetlejuice. Um, Tim Burton's original choice to play Beetlejuice was, of course, Sammy Davis Jr. I wow. I very different film. That's a vibe. A little bit. The- Wow. Listen, I listen. I'm like, okay, if that's what the character was in your head, great. Not this juice. Not this guy. Not this ghost with the most. <laughs> God, no, absolutely um, not. But yeah, but Michael Keaton, uh, perfect. This is absolutely perfect in this yeah. role. Oscar. Uh, yeah, honestly, he should have gotten a supporting actor Oscar nomination. I and I think I read that out of that he said that this was his favorite. That this was his favorite Makes film sense. that he did. I I can't even believe it. The way that his his entire physicality, his entire being is just in yes. this. And I, oh man, I have a lot of compare. We can talk about it later. I have a lot of comparisons between him and the characterization in the musical. For um, sure. Well, and so that's and this is the thing, and we can talk about it now because we're talking about the film. Beetlejuice is fucking gross. He's yes. like he's he's aesthetically gross. He's got like moss and like debris yeah. all over him. Oh, and he's yeah. I mean he's a pervert. He's mm-hmm. just like he's a misogynist. He openly wants to kill people and is and he's actively a threat. I would say in the film, like his his declarations of murder actually carry weights in this thing. 
Um, he's just a fucking... I mean, if the movie has a villain, he's it, oh, I think. Oh, unquestionably. He is the villain of the piece. And he is, again, a fucking gross weirdo. Um, I like his little belly. That he too. <laughs> he's kind of got like a pot belly. Oh, yeah. Too. And then like he, he like switches into Adam's clothes. He's like, oh, come on. We even shop at the same store. And he's, and he's, he's got this weird voice. I, I, I watched Aladdin recently. Um, and the the original, like the one with fucking oh, okay. Robin Williams. Um, okay. And just like, I feel like there's kind of a, like a comparison between like Beetlejuice and the genie. They're both sort of very high energy characters. Obviously, Beetlejuice doesn't do Rodney Dangerfield impressions. <laughs> like, there's <Sure. it's> not, <laughs> they're not that. Sure. But like, there's still that sort of like frenetic energy to them, which is just like, and they can just like switch from one thing to the next. Um. But I mean, yeah, just Michael Keaton, and again, he, again, because it's such a physical performance, he's just throwing himself into it. And his voice, yeah, the fact that you mentioned his voice is so interesting because I, I do love that line that you just said. But my favorite line, and I yes. spent half an hour trying to rehearse it last night, and it took me so long because his voice is insane. Let me see if I can, if I can do it. I'm gonna. I believe in you. Up. I really do. I gotta get married. I, I. <clears throat> hey, these aren't my rules. Come to think of it. I don't have any rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that says so much about the character, right? That's yeah. my favorite fucking line in the whole thing, because that is the character. I... But, oh, and also, speaking of so, because that's, like, his clothes are gross. He oh, wears yeah. these, like, oh, like, this, like, fucking, like, long, like, overcoat and just, like, these tatted, like, he's a, that's the thing. That's why Moldy I, hair. Moldy hair. That's the whole thing where I'm just like, you, he cannot... As he exists in the film, he cannot be your main character. He's a fucking... You can only really tolerate him in, like, five-minute bursts for so long. That's a good way to put it. I, I think I I think I do agree with that. It's funny. Your whole characterization of him is you were like, he's a pervert. And I'm like, check. You're like, he's <laughs> disgusting. I'm like, check. He's And then you were like, he's an actual threat. He wants to kill people. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't really consider that <laughs> at all. No, because like the next... He's thing. always looking to murder. Oh, oh. <laughs> he's just, he loves it. He loves, he loves the but killing. But right. Um, but then, yeah, because he like becomes that snake... And like, oh, well, that's that's after. Okay, so the okay, dinner scene. Okay. Here's something that I just sort of spotted on this rewatch: the Maitlands are listening to Harry Belafonte constantly. Like Deo is playing oh, earlier. Opens in the movie. Oh yeah, well, right. Deo opens yeah. the film. But yeah, like even just like around the house, like that. This is their music. This isn't just like a random thing that was thrown into it. Like they just really like Harry Belafonte. This is just oh, their jam. Yeah. So if you had a dinner party that you were going to possess a bunch of people that were living in your house, what what would that song be for you? Oh, once in a lifetime. Oh, once in a li- once in a lifetime. Jesus, fuck me, keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, once in a lifetime by the Talking Heads. Oh, oh that's absolutely. good. That's good. Uh, I I think mine would be a Holiday by Green Day, and it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, well, <laughs> that's hey, a good question. hey, what about you, Bryn? Um, probably like a Bartok piece. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Mahler's first, the Titan. <laughs> My gods. That's a good question. And on this podcast, we love questions. Um, we love them. Uh, so thank you for bringing that question. 
to the table. Um, the dinner table. Where, okay, so, uh, so the Dieters have invited, uh, Robert Goulet. It's not, well, he isn't playing Robert Goulet, but he is played by Robert Goulet, this character. Um, but yeah, so they do this, like, fun, I think the possession scene is so fun, and it's, it's funny, because Delia is not singing. Harry Balafonte's voice is coming out of her mouth magically. To me, that is the humor of the piece, and that is why that scene is funny. I'm not saying that for any particular reason. I'm just saying that to say why I think this scene is funny. Um, I agree with you. Because it wouldn't be as funny if it was, like, Catherine O'Hara just singing it herself. It's I don't think so. so. No, it's, yeah, it's funny because you're just like, oh, Harry Belafonte's voice should not be coming out of Catherine O'Hara's mouth. (laughs) That seems strange. If she was just singing it, it might be what some would call confusing. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, it is very funny. Uh, They do a little dance. And then... The thing where, like, the shrimps, like, are, like, hands. Like, that is genuinely terrifying. I, okay, Amazon had another little fun fact about this. Wow, thank you, Amazon. We love you. (laughs) That they did it. Oh, my God. Take that back. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, no, no, at at this podcast, we we, we don't, we don't like Amazon. They're a a bad company. Uh, Go on. Um, But they told me a little, little fun fact that um, they were having a lot of trouble with the shrimp. So uh, somebody suggested that they instead, instead of coming back up, they have to start with the shrimp on their head, and they just rewinded the film in order oh. to be able to get the shot correctly. Mm-hmm. Very Hell interesting. Yeah. I, I I love that. Because, um, I mean, I all of the things that they just orchestrated within that scene. I mean, I, 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 I wish I had done more behind-the-scenes research, because I'm sure, like, there are just so many cool, just, like, how did they do this? How did they do that? This is so... The, the, the production design, I believe it's Bo Welch, um, who would go on to do a bunch of... And um, who is Catherine O'Hara's husband? Oh, really? did you know that? that Amazon told not. me that too. So cute. Amazon <laughs> told me that too. <laughs> that they is... said that that's how Bo, Bo Welch was the production designer, and Tim Burton was like, "Hey, you should ask Catherine O'Hara out." And Bo Welch was like, "I'm allowed to talk to the actor." <laughs> and now they're happily married, or maybe they're, uh, hopefully they're still happily married. I, I think they are. I, I mean, I hope they are. Yeah, no, Bo Welch is wonderful. Um, he also, of course, directed, um, I believe his only directorial uh, debut, was only directorial uh, venture, is, of course, the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat film. Anyway, uh, we oh. don't talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I actually, I don't have any comments on that at this time. You shouldn't. You should not. Um, just don't. Uh, either way. Uh, so yeah, so they, we have the dinner scene. It's great. Um, uh, Barbara and Adam think they did a great job. No, they were, again, these fucking New York artsy types. They loved it. (laughs) Assholes. I just, um, I personally love it. As a, I am a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent a believer in ghosts. I've done paranormal investigations before. That is my jam. So sure. it's so, so refreshing to for something like that to happen, and nobody runs away. They're all just like. <gasps> Ghosts, even though they're trying to capitalize on it. I know, it. yeah, of course. Yeah, that, yeah, of course they see the ghosts and they're like, how can we make this a capitalism? How can we do this to the ghosts? How can we make this a capitalism? How can we do a stonk on this? 
But yeah, the, the, after this is when Beetlejuice is like, I'm going to take the matters into my own hand, turns to that creepy snake, drops yeah. Charles, like, from a distance, and then, but then, like, Barbara's, like, uh, says his name three times. Times. He gets out. But Lydia's like, why would you do this? Lydia, of course, in classic, like, end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3 movie plot, is just like, why would you do this? So, oh, she was the heartbroken. I know, it's, it's sad. Okay, misunderstandings are always super sad. Um, <laughs> not great. Um, oh, but no, but before this as well, um, they were all able to get up to the attic, and Otho steals the handbook for the recently deceased. That makes not, me mad. Not great. Not great. Um, but yes, um, they go back to Juno, uh, the Maitlands, and Juno's like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You're not doing great, <laughs> y'all. But then, and then I will say, oh. the one inconsistency I found in the film is, so after the scene, Juno's like, how are you going to scare him? And they do, they do the very cool thing where, like, Adam stretches out his face and, like, uh, and Barbara does, like, the eyes on the fingers thing. But it's like... We've established that they can't be seen. Like, why would they do that? Is it to scare right. Lydia? Like, what? Like, I don't. It's a very strange thing. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I'm just gonna keep spouting out um, facts that I learned um, because I read a bunch of them on the side. I and know. I appreciate things that, it. <laughs> things that I didn't notice in the second Juno scene. If as you're watching it, um, maybe you did notice this. I never did. But there's a window that goes. Um, that is not actually a window. It looks into a movie theater with skeletons okay. and with um, other characters, actually skeletons that I think will, um, they said eventually are used in Mars, uh, Mars Attacks. Sure. That is, that is a Burton oh, film. Cool. Yeah. Um, and they said that it was a very small thing, but they wanted to make the audience feel like uh, it was happening on both sides. Like the living were watching and the dead were oh, watching as well. Oh. That's kind of fun. I never noticed it, and I read I that. I saw them, but I was always very strange, and I never got that. But it's a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, they, they threw it in and then ran wide away with it. They did Whatever. not. They I will, I will say, I do, I do love in that second Juno scene, there are the football players, and they keep calling her coach. And she's like, I'm not your coach. He survived the crash. It's great. <laughs> Also implies that they just wear full pads and yep. cleats and helmets when they're riding a bus. What, whatever, it's a good bit. And then they come <laughs> and they come back and they're just like, Coach, I don't think we survived that crash. <laughs> just great. Just like oh, it, like so and that good. stuff doesn't it's the almost, men's room, get out of here. Yeah, and that stuff like doesn't even have to be in it, but it just it adds so much flavor to the proceedings. Perfect. It's great. I have another fact. I'm so sorry. Do you notice when they say uh, flight 409 arriving at gate B? Sure. That that is, uh, it says over the, over the intercom. It's like sure, flight yeah, 409. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. And that's another reference to uh, a horrifically deadly plane crash in the 50s and 60s where like Great. a bunch of people died and they don't know why the plane went down. Oh like gosh. the amount of details in this, it's uh, in those scenes. It's very, it's very fascinating, and I appreciate the Easter eggs. And you will, you will drink a Canada Dry to that. Yeah, I will. I will drink a Canada Dry to that. Um, either way, uh, during this time while the Maitlands are out in the Netherworld, uh, Lydia happens upon the juice, 
And he's like, hey, you, you, I can help you out. You gotta uh, do my help. Say my name three times. Um, and and they do like a fun little game of charades. Um, I do love the for like the clue for beetle. There's just like a beetle sitting like cross legged in a chair, just being like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, great. Incredible. Um, a very slight thing that I love in this scene, and it's so small, but like. In the other parts of the scene, she calls him Mr. and Mrs. Maitland, but only in this scene, she's like, no, I want to talk to Barbara. Oh, That's <laughs> very like sweet. She, she doesn't have her, you know, her own stepmother is a mess. Her dad is a jerk. And the yeah. idea that she's like, no, I trust Barbara to tell me what to do. It well, should serve my feelings. So I'd say that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing, right? Because, again, setting up these, like, sort of pins for later in this is episode... I'd say, like, right, the theme of the movie, um, it's not just death, um, the, like, the theme of the movie is about Lydia finding new parental figures. Yeah. Outside of her own. Yeah. It's gonna put a pin in that. And I think it's very sweet that she's able to, like, have this lovely relationship with these new ghost parents. Um, it's very sweet, and I think they establish it really well. I mean, first of all, just everyone is just this good acting and good writing, but it's just... Yeah, it just it's embedded into the piece, just like all of these characters, like them wanting a ch- like it's all about like them wanting a child. It's about her wanting new parents, and it's just and Beetle just trying to fuck it all up. Um, either way, the Maitlands sure. uh, cut it off so she doesn't say his name. Um, I believe we cut forward. Um, Otho is gonna try and summon the ghosts. Right, they're gonna do like a creepy fucking like uh, seance. Uh, they find, like, their wedding clothes. They need, like, something that belonged to them, and they find their wedding clothes. Sad. Um, and they do a... And they, uh, they've, they've brought the model, like, down... Because they, like, they want to... I, I forget, like, why they bring the model downstairs. Because they're trying to pitch it to Robert Goulet. Right. He's trying to oh, show right, up, right. and they yeah. want to show they're him the pitch ghosts. It. Uh, fucking Robert Goulet. Um, I do love, and skipping forward a little bit, when, like... Beetlejuice does his carnival thing and like hammers Robert Goulet oh, and yeah. his wife and they shoot out the ceiling and we never see where <laughs> they went. <laughs> oh, you're that right. Is, I feel like in a contemporary film, they'd be so worried about like, oh, we can't let the audience think that Robert Goulet died. We have to show them like falling safe in the distance. Somewhere. And like, this film doesn't give a shit. They're gone. <laughs> they have nothing to do with the rest of the story. Bye. Um, Was this rated R when it came out? It, no, it must have been like- PG, P- which is interesting because well, it's- PG- 13 didn't exist yet. It didn't exist, and they still, they said the F-bomb in it. They do, yeah. Yes, he's, yeah, he says, nice fucking model. Honk, honk. <laughs> great, great lie. <laughs> you know, this, Beetlejuice, funny movie. <laughs> funny guy. Hot, really? fun, funny guy, funny Fun, movie. Hot take. Funny guy, funny guy. Oh, um, man. But yeah, but Otho does the, like, the seance, the, almost like an exorcism, right? And, and so they... I think maybe he yeah. accidentally does an exorcism, right? I think that's what it is. He doesn't realize because the setup, as a paranormal investigator myself, the setup is very seance. <laughs> he's not going for an exorcism here, but I, it just it's it's so frustrating the way he's just like, oh no, I pressed the wrong button, and here they're gonna die in front of me. Yeah, sad, not great. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Horrifying. they come back. So the Maitlands come back in their wedding clothes, but yeah, they're like deteriorating before us. And Lydia's just like, I, th- no one here could do anything. I guess only Beetlejuice can do something. And so Beetlejuice is like, all right, well, I'll do it, but you gotta marry me, honk, honk. Um, <laughs> and Lydia's just like, fine. So yeah, he does the carnival thing. His hands turned into hammers. 
smashes Robert Goulet and his wife out of there. Um, sucks. Um, Otho? Merry-go-round Otho? hat. Yeah, merry-go-round. Of great, again, as always, great production design. Um, he loves a creepy circus thing. Um, in Otho kind of gets away. Like he, his outfit gets ripped off, and then he just runs away. I, I feel like he deserved worse. Oh yeah. And I'm wondering in that moment. I'm sorry. Maybe this is maybe this is me implying too much about this character. But he gets his outfit ripped off from this beautiful black, you know, suit with the red tie to like this light denim thing. And I'm like, are you screaming because a demon just changed your outfit, or are you screaming because you're wearing a totally white denim suit? <laughs> I, I thought it was like baby blue. Baby I f- blue. Maybe baby blue. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was so different yeah. from what I. I that was my take on it. I was like, "Oh, I'm wondering what you're actually upset about." I just, I, I just, I felt, I felt bad that like Robert Goulet, who like didn't really do much, like probably died, and, and Otho just like, "Oh, he looks dumb." I feel like he deserved a lot worse in sort of the order of operations of punishment here. Again, I'm not one. I'm I am against the carceral state, but I feel just like he he maybe deserved a little worse. If we're being real. Um, but yeah, so now we've got this... Oh, and then the sculpt... Her, Delia's sculptures, Beale just brings them to life, which I think is so hilarious, because they're just like... I mean, they look like distorted nonsense anyway, and then they just, like, start crawling and dragging themselves. It's very, again, very fun, very clever. This alien monster thing just comes out of the wall I... as they're efficient. <laughs> Talk about never acknowledged ever again. <laughs> no, you don't have to. It it makes sense within the nonsense of the world. You don't need to give... Yeah, we don't need, like, a prequel film about the the alien priest <laughs> explaining where he came from. Um, oh, my God. That cool stop motion of the, the mantle, like, opening oh, up. Oh, yeah. Like weird, that's such an amazing... Really great visual. stop... Mo- again, like, this film is just a great argument for bringing back stop motion. It just... It looks... More tactile than most CG. Like, honestly, like, I would argue most of the... Not a lot of the stop-motion effects in this film are just, like, so much more effective than, like, 90% of computer-generated effects these days. Yes. Bring it back. No argument here. Hashtag bring back stop-motion, please. Uh, 2021. (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, they get uh, the sculptures, like, Trap, Charles, and uh, Delia... Uh, uh, the Maitlands are brought back because now, like, Beetlejuice has freed them from the exorcism, but they keep trying to say his name. Ain't working. Uh, he teleports Adam into the model. He teleports uh, Barbara to Saturn. Um. Oh, my God. So this this uh, scene where he's trying to marry Lydia is probably one of my favorites. Just it's fun. It's li- very fun. I, his blurb where he turns around and he's like, well, I don't know if I should be doing this. I mean, if I said I was going to do it, I was only going to do it once. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll I say, know. it will say like, Beetlejuice, I was, cause again, another pin I want to sort of press, Beetlejuice isn't breaking the fourth wall, I would argue. Like, he, mm-hmm. he never, he's not addressing the audience. Um, he's just like a fucking weirdo. I... All of that goofy aside shit feels very much to himself. Yes. Yeah. 
He's the only one in on that joke, not the audience. Yeah. I and uh, this was I sent I sent a picture of me dressed up as Beetlejuice for Halloween in my senior year of college. We'll be and, posting it on the social media. Yes. Oh, incredible! Uh, but I one of my favorite parts of that costume was inspired by this scene because he's got uh, pockets full of snakes and bugs and flies and spiders. So when I went out that night, every time I went to a, a bar, they'd hand me the tab and I'd sign it and I'd go in my pocket and put a hand full of plastic flies and snakes and spiders Brilliant. on the tab and then tip really well. But I just, I was so happy about it because I was like, he, 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 I know this movie. <laughs> and I will say also, this is the, I mean, he put, he changes it into like his wedding outfit, but this is the, I believe this is the only moment in the film where he is wearing the iconic striped black and white suit. I right, believe. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're right. It's just this moment. Um, and that's all I'll say. Uh, but yes, uh, either way, uh, Barbara is able to ride a sandworm back into the house. It gobbles up old Mr. Juice and just rides on out of there. And I, I remember I was watching the like alien monster and I was just like, yeah, he's just hanging out. <laughs> he doesn't really know what to do right now. <laughs> He's like, I get paid for the day either way. I guess I'm going to go home. I was promised dinner. Um, <laughs> my God. But yes, either way, we skip to like months later. Lydia's happy at school. And yeah, now she's got like uh, one set of parents who are doing their own thing and don't give a shit. And now she has another set of parents who are nice ghosts who care and are loving and nice. I do love that Delia starts making uh, sculptures based on Beetlejuice. It's very fun. Very nice little. That nice she little. finally, she finally gets into an American art magazine or whatever it is. She, art I American. Did, I missed that. That's really funny. It's on the shelf. It oh, was, gotcha. It's on the shelf. Oh, so cool. Um, and I then, think it's cool that like it's kind of a happy ending for them too. Yeah. Oh They're yeah. Like, they seem totally fine and happy. Um, and then they, yeah. and it ends. Of course, she's like, "Oh, I did great." Lydia is like, "I did great on my test. Can you like?" possess me and make me do this fun dance they're like alright fine and she just jump in the line very fun she flies up in the air the football players uh, are like behind her dancing it's very fun uh, Beetle and there's uh, apparently they they, re they filmed uh, this epilogue uh, they did like test screenings for the film and they were so positive they were like oh we just want to see Beetlejuice one more time like can we just can you just give us like one more taste of the juice and so they filmed this epilogue of him in the waiting room that was like an added oh. on thing yeah i didn't know oh. that yeah. interesting um which it's is good it's a funny bit he, it is good. he steals the number shrink his head he touches the legs yes funny. <laughs> again funny movie funny guy um and that's the movie beetlejuice a good movie <laughs> a really good movie um yeah i'm just uh, yeah I, I would say we're all in agreement it's not only just like one of tim burton's best but it's just like a great film. It's funny. It's got some like subtle commentary on like the nonsense of like eighties personalities, uh, Reagan era folk, um, wild times. Um, this film did win an Oscar for best makeup. Well deserved. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. yeah, good one. So it is technically an Academy award winning film. Good Oscar on it. Winning movie. Yeah. Um, other, I'm also thinking about this. So other Tim Burton films that have been adapted for the stage. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, obviously he made, uh, he made a musical to film adaptation. Of course we need to right. 
Sweeney Todd. Which we will probably cover on the Patreon at some point. Um, Incredible. I feel, like, I feel like we have to. Um, oh, yeah. There is a ballet of Edward Scissorhands. What? Huh. Yeah. Which I'd love That's- to see. Little goth ballerinas were like, I love ballet, but I'm just angry. <laughs> is it an Elfman score? I believe it is an Elfman. I believe it is the Elfman score. Awesome. Yes. Um, That's I, crazy. Yeah. I mean, you could do that movie with no dialogue. I mean, like, it is so. I mean, I feel like a lot of his movies, actually, but I mean, especially Edward Scissorhands, is so just based on the imagery. And just, I mean, it's like literally the, the contrast of Edward against the nonsense, like, 50s suburbia. It's like, it is. It's yeah, it's yeah, hell yeah, ballet. Um, Perfect. Big Fish, which um, we oh. will definitely be doing on this on this podcast uh, for better love or both. Worse. You love both. All right, interesting. I have a lot of feelings about the musical um, that are not in that direction, but it's, uh, <laughs> we'll save that for next season. Um, and then he, it's technically not based. On this movie, but he did do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, he did that remake, and there is a Charlie mm-hmm. on the Chocolate Factory musical, but I think it's more based on the book than anything. Um, so yeah, not all. I mean, again, like he has a very specific aesthetic that one would think would not be ripe for musical theater adaptation. Well, one would think. <laughs> how ben. wrong we all were when in. Uh, 2019 on the Great White Way, Beetlejuice the Musical, the Musical, the Musical premiered. Um, it premiered uh in the fall of 2018 in Washington D.C. in a pre-Broadway tryout. Um, and apparently it got a it got a vast rewrite between then and this production. So, but our our thoughts are based off of uh the Broadway production uh, of sure. Beetlejuice. Um. I want to quickly talk about this creative team before we really dig into sort of what the hell this musical is. It's, um, okay. So yeah, like I said before, the production was directed by Alex Timbers. Again, real great director. He's, uh, he wrote and directed Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. He was the co-director of the original, uh, Peter and the Starcatcher. Oh, wow. Um, he also was the director of future movie, the musical episodes, Rocky and Moulin Rouge. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he, he directed, he pretty much, like, directed this and Moulin Rouge, like, back to back, almost back to back. Oh, yeah, they're both pretty, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're both pretty recent. Um, and he was a uh, production consultant on David Byrne's American Utopia, uh, the stage show. Um, and, of course, maybe his uh, greatest, I, I would argue, his greatest theatrical accomplishment, uh, he directed Oh, Hello on Broadway. Oh yeah! Oh hello! Oh hello! God, uh, just a brilliant piece of filmmaking, a, a brilliant piece of theater. Oh man! Right? I just love him. I love I love John Mulaney. I love Nick Cole. Nick Kroll. He's just he's he's such a little <laughs> sleaze, but I love him so much. <laughs> I mean, my I went to see that show with my brother uh, on Broadway. And afterwards, he literally said, this is the greatest piece of theater I've ever seen. And I don't think he's <laughs> wrong. Uh, it's a good one. Um, but and, and then also Alex Timbers, one of his early shows is he directed the uh, off-Broadway musical uh, Gutenberg the Musical, which is written by uh, the book writers of Beetlejuice, uh, Anthony King and Scott Brown. Uh, do either of you know about Gutenberg the Musical? I don't. No. Um, it's... I'm a big fan of it. So it started off, Anthony King was previously the artistic director of UCB in New York, the Upright Citizens Brigade. 
Uh, I, I believe they both have, like, an improv comedy. I, I know especially Anthony does, but, yeah, they have, like, an improv comedy background. Um, Gutenberg the Musical is framed as two musical theater writers giving, like, a backers audition. Like, you're in the audience for this, like, backers audition for a musical that they have written called Gutenberg the Musical, um, which is about Johann Gutenberg, the inventor of the printing press. <laughs> Not so, Steve. Not <laughs> Steve, not Steve, no, Johan. Um, and, it, and like the show, like it's the, and it's the two of them playing all the, they have a, they have someone playing piano, but they're playing all the characters and there are all these baseball hats with the character names on them. So they'll like switch. And it's like, it's just like a parody of just like Broadway musicals, but it's uh, about Johan Gutenberg. It's very funny. Um, the cast album is available. Uh, it stars Christopher Fitzgerald and Jeremy Seamus. It's a very fun show. Um, and very I, funny. That sounds very title of show, and I love title sure, of show. Sure, yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of around that era, I believe, like mid-2000s. Um, and okay. I believe they, like, first performed it at UCB, and then they and then it was brought, like, to an off-Broadway theater for an off-Broadway run. Um, fun Amazing. show. I, I, it's a fun one. Um, but, yeah, and outside of that, yeah, so, like, Anthony King, uh, he, you know, he's written for Broad City, Silicon Valley, Search Party. Um, so he's pretty... He's pretty up there in sort of contemporary uh, comedic television. Scott Brown, uh, for a period of time, was the theater critic for New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also written for the shows uh, Castle Rock and Sharp Objects. If okay. You, if you know those shows. Um, but yeah, so this is their theatrical uh, reunion uh, for this show. Um, songs, of course, written by Eddie Perfect, an Australian songwriter. Um, previously in the same Broadway season, he wrote songs for King Kong, the musical. I don't know. Actually, and I think it was called King Kong on Broadway. I don't think they labeled it as. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you you seen the puppet? Have you seen like videos of that? Oh, cool. That puppet is fucking aces. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Maybe I just, I have not heard anything about it. Just search King Kong Broadway. The puppet is like a masterwork. Like it is legitimately just like so fucking cool. Oh, good. Yeah, he's like 15 people to operate or something. <gasps> yeah, something nonsense like that. Hot dang. Yeah, that's right? gorgeous. The Ain't show, that... however, seems like yeah, the show not as good as the puppet. No, it's, a, and it's an Australian production, I believe. Um, but yeah, it was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't the thing. It was, it was not it. <laughs> it was not the vibe. Not the vibe that we were looking for. Um, Eddie Perfect's previous, one of his, like, early, I think, like, sort of the mus- the musical that he wrote that sort of propelled him. Uh, it's a musical uh, called Shane Warning, the musical. Um, it's about, uh, it's based on a real-life uh, cricket player from Australia named Shane Warney, who was very controversial. He was, there were a lot of uh, controversies with him uh, sending lewd text messages to women. Um, stuff like that. He was, like, a very sort of, like, brash um, cricket player, and he just, like, wrote this musical about him. There's a lot of banging songs in that one, too. And it was, like, I, lis- I listened to that album, and I was like, yeah, okay. This guy's got, like, a fun pop vibe, pop rock vibe to him. I guess that could work. Um, so that's, again, like like I said, like, I, I think the writers of this show... Of on their own, like of, ver- of very talented folks, and of course the creative team is very talented folks. David Corrins, who did the set, great set, very good. Set. Oh yeah, the um, set is gorgeous. 
Um, but yeah, so Beelgeus the musical, and I'm just gonna say it fucking once. I'm not gonna say the whole goddamn title. Um, say it's it. Fa- it's fat. I'm not gonna. D- no, no. Say it. Say it, Ben. <laughs> say its say name. It. <laughs> Beelgeus. Showtime, show baby. <laughs> It is, it is indeed showtime. Um, here's what is so fascinating to me about Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical. The musical. Um, it is, it's, it is trying, it, it is the definitive, like, example of trying to have your cake and eat it too. It is both trying to rest on the laurels and the iconography and the brand of Beetlejuice the film in so many ways, but is also trying to be its own story, its own take, its own sort of like spin on the thing. Like this isn't like Shrek that we've talked about recently, which is like just essentially a musical theater version of that very same story. My, like my wife and I were talking about it and yeah, we were just like, if you're gonna just like fuck with things so much, you might as well just write a new story with these characters. Yes. I yes. feel like I, like, I feel it's, again, you're like, because you are so indebted to the film, like, you're, you're like, taking the stuff, but, like, changing it in a way where, like I, don't, like, I don't know who you're trying to satisfy by sticking to this film's original plot, but then, yeah, like, this, like, weird, like, fan fiction, but again, like, so much, so many details and, like, plot like elements of the plot are contingent on certain aspects of characters that you have changed. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me. And again, I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to get angry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get angry. I'm just very in it because I just, I'm very passionate about the strange choices they made. You know, I started this whole podcast screaming, um, and I do I do want to clarify. When I said, I think the show is about death, I don't think the movie is about yeah. death. I think they're trying to make no. the musical, because they say it so many times, and, and it takes away mm-hmm. from, like, what you said of what the actual movie is based on. Like, it is, there is yeah. a beautiful... Heartfelt um, themes throughout this. I mean, just uh, with a lot of potholes from Michael Keaton, but um, but I agree with you. There are so many things in here that I just that I just don't agree with. Like I even from the top, like w- the fact that there is not a tiny town model. I don't know why that makes me so angry. But why? Why? It's so perfect. And then we missed the graveyard scene. Like, even just that, from the start, I was like, this is going to be a problem for me. Well, so, I mean, so, I mean, that's the big question, right? Like, is there a, I mean, this is a podcast literally about the art of adaptation. Is there a, like, and so, of course, we have to talk about, like, what was changed from screen to stage. Is there a realm that we can actually, like, talk about this show on its own merits? outside of the shadow of its film? I would argue no, because it borrows so much from the film. Well, even, I mean, up top, up top, I mean, this, this line that you said about it being fan fiction just made so much sense to me. Like, it it almost set me back a little bit of like, you know what? I understand. Okay. I get what you were trying to do. I personally, I don't super agree with it. I don't super agree <laughs> yeah. with your choices. I'm not saying it wasn't a beautiful, like, like, uh, uh incredible feat that they put on that stage. Yeah. Um, but even from the Whatever. top, 
I'm sorry. That's giving I mean, it a lot of credit. I, I mean, think. even even from the top, what do you think about the fact that within like five minutes, it's already um, acknowledged? Like, but it's so different from the source material. I know. Like, yes, yeah, people just literally does say that line in the first song. Should we? Why is just he so let... meta right off the bat? It's like so frustrating. Okay. Listen, Beetlejuice. So yeah, they make the fascinating choice to make Beetlejuice Deadpool. I don't, like it's that's what they do. <laughs> For real. They make Beetlejuice Deadpool. Yes. Oh, and the, oh, okay, so in in the same, there was another interview where we are Alex Timbers. He said three things. He's like, I I don't know if I can do a Beetlejuice musical unless three things happen. One. It takes place in one location that morphs into other places. Sure. Two, that Lydia is the main character. Okay. And three, that Beetlejuice is the MC talking to the audience character. So, like, that was, like, part of the concept. Which, again, like, uh, that's if that's what you want to do, sure. But, again, what... So... I would You're argue they don't accomplish any of those three. <laughs> they change locations several times. Uh, and oh, she is boy. sort of the main character, but only if you, like, study a play, like a script class. And that because sure. he is the main person that talks to the audience the whole time, you feel like he's the main character. But he's only is that MC whenever they feel like it. And, like, otherwise, well, it's just thrown out. It's Constantly. so fascinating because he... Oh, God. I mean, yeah, because, like I said, he is Deadpool. Like, and, and as you know, Deadpool knows he's in a movie. Beetlejuice knows he's in a musical. Um, but, like, I feel like the the phrase that like, comes to mind when I think about so much of this musical is watered down. This mm. musical feels like such a watered down version of the elements of the film. Like, Beetle, like again, because, like, Beetlejuice, like, like we talked about, is a disgusting pervert of a monster um, that you wouldn't really want to have as your MC. So he has to just be, like, a fucking weirdo. Like, and, and again, this is, and I'm not, like, crapping on Alex Brightman, who does a lovely job. And there, are, there were moments where I, he did make me laugh. I'm, like, he did. There's a couple of great jokes in there. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't want to say a couple. He he commits so hard. And the character that yes. he created, he commits 110%. And I commend him for that. And I know I also acknowledge how difficult it is to have something that is so iconic and say, I need to make something different. So yes. I get it. Like, he's going to make whatever works best for him. It's always going to be an uphill yes. climb with this kind of thing. Yes. And I don't know. I just, but I understand what you say about watered down because what I get from... Michael Keaton is sleazy car used car lot salesman where even yes. sometimes you kind of <laughs> yes. are intrigued by him. You're kind of like, well, maybe I'll let you take me inside and I'll look at some paperwork. No, wait a minute. Like that's, that's what's intriguing about him. And what I get from Alex, which I think probably is what he intended um, is guy you shuffle away from on the subway. Sure. <laughs> it's just, and I wonder, like, if he had to create that, that in order to be this MC, in order to be sustainable and watchable for the entire thing. Again, yeah, it's, again, like, it has to be, I mean, again, this is, this is a Broadway musical built for a main, a, a quote-unquote mainstream audience, sure. uh, mainstream, like, whoever can afford to go see a Broadway show these days, um, or those days, um, like, it has to be a palatable version. Right. And it has to be a version that you can commit to eight times. A, he does this bullshit, like, eight times a week. Yeah. He sings. Um, like, it's something that you have to be able to do. Um, 
right? Um, and I will say, uh, do you do you either of know, do either of you know Tim Minchin, the songwriter? Tim Minchin. That sounds really familiar. He, he wrote Matilda, the musical. Ah, okay. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of. I mean, they are they are both Australian, but I feel like there are also just a lot of songwriting similarities. They they're both very wordy. Uh, they're both very sort of. There's a lot of uh, tongue in cheekness to their lyrics. Any perfect? I I I, I want to talk about the songs for a second because um, they are such an interesting case study in just contemporary Broadway. Sure. Um, I feel like so many of them just like bleed into each other in a bad way. Unfortunately, I think there is a very sort of generic pop rockiness to a lot of the score that. Um, does not work. I like the opening number in theory. I do. I think it's like, it's fun. I like how it sort of jumps from style to style to style. I, I think there is something fun to, again, like if this is like your weird elastic, again, I think this is a very much like a genius character, like a Deadpool uh, sure. genie from Aladdin kind of like, he's very elastic. He's very loose in that sense. And like, I like how you're playing with that in the opening number. Um, but yeah, I would say like most of these songs have this sort of like pop rockiness, uh, to them, not like pop rocks, but like a pop, uh, <laughs> yes, but like a, like a rock popness to them. Um, that again, I think there's just, it's not a lot of them are very memorable. Like I, I have a favorite song in this show. Well, I'm curious, like if you'll do have a favorite song, what is it? And I'm curious if it's the same one. Um, I, okay, I will say originally the only song that I had heard from the show, which made me excited, um, when I first heard it was Dead Mom. Ditto. Interesting. Okay. It was Dead Mom. And I, I, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm into this because first of all, I, I think that they gave Lydia more chance in the musical to flesh out her character, despite how they did. Yes. How great of an actor Winona is. Um, but they gave her more chances in this musical and I really appreciated that. And she, I, I actually worry about that girl's voice cause she belts the hell out of that song. <laughs> um, but the other one that I liked from watching it through was Delia's number, which you're right. I, I don't know the name of, um, Oh, the uh, life it is, you never know. It's called no reason, no reason. I, there's no reason they couldn't have given it a better name, but that's the song <laughs> that I also liked just because Leslie Kritzer, who I looked up, is also a star. She's great. She's very good. Um, Brand, did you have a favorite song outside of Dead Mom, or was that sort of the one that did it for you? Um, after watching the whole thing, I don't know. Deo is the best song in the show, and it's not from the show. <laughs> oh, no. That's true. Sorry. I will say, and not my the best favorite sequence, song is. But the best song in the show. I will I will say my favorite song and uh, I had to look the it's uh, Girl Scout that opens oh, the, that the second act. Okay. That that one is just like it's a fucking hoot. I don't know. It's just like it it's trying something, you know? It's like we have this like nonsense first act and then you end you start off the second act with this just cute little Girl Scout singing a nice song about selling cookies. And like I I I think there's a lot of opportunity to like 
make that song really peppy and fun and like fut- whatever future life exists for this show. Like I like if in some magical universe where for some reason after making a whole podcast episode saying that I don't think it's a great adaptation, I would direct this thing. <laughs> like I would. <laughs> But if somehow that course of events existed, like, I would, like, love to do this number with, like, a big, like, smiling, happy sun rising up and, like, a big old chorus of, like, like a mailman giving her a high five, like, all this, like, a fun, like, peppy little, like, what the fuck is going on? And then you go into the house and everything's weird. But it's, it's just, it's a choice. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting choice that they make in the show to sort of just be like, let's, I, I think it's a, tr- like, it's a diversion that they make, I think, which serves the material well, right? Because you're going so, f- it's, I mean, I feel like it's that same kind of humor from the film, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yes. tricking you into to going into this like joyful place and then pulling the rogue right from under you. Yeah. It's like the dog on the, the wooden pallet again. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's, yeah. Something cute that leads you to disaster. And it's an interesting homage in this scene uh, to, the, I, guess, I guess, the cartoon. This sort of... Um, sure, I know, yeah, the, and the musical there. obviously is so indebted to the cartoon as well, which again is a, the the... the Sad, it was like a Saturday morning cartoon, or whatever, yeah. uh, which is pretty much just about Lydia and Beetlejuice. So they were just like, oh, well, that's that relationship is just like the only thing that really exists in that cartoon. I guess that's what the musical is going to be about. Yeah. God, uh, and uh, so it's funny that you say that No Reason is one of your uh, sort of like one of your top songs from the show, because I think it, yeah, like let's talk about like what they do with these characters and sort of like how they change them from the original show. So. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for the Maitlands mm-hmm. in this musical. I feel like they get so fucked over by this adaptation. I agree. They're just Very like, bad. I agree. Like they are. I mean, because I mean, they are the protagonists of the film, and now they're just like, oh, we're gonna make fun of like white, white, like white yuppies moving to the suburbs. It's like, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. I did notice at the one point where uh, Beetlejuice points out that they're white, um, I was like, oh, what a great way to remind me that not one single person of color has talked on this stage. <laughs> like, like I would say, like, the, the, the highest billed person of color is Otho, played by, <laughs> like, I, that actor? Yeah, yes. I think that's it. I And then I, I believe some of the chorus members, who I'm also very frustrated that I think the chorus was vastly underused. Sure. Um, but yes, sorry. Yes, they are, they are vastly. Yeah, I mean, again, and hope, I mean, in, again, in future productions of Beetlejuice, I mean, outside of the Maitlands, like, arguably, I guess you could, like, anyone could play anyone. Um, I don't think yeah. there's any real restrictions on, on casting. Um, for the future. Oh, yeah, Otho's also fucked over. Oh, you're good. That's true. No, but what you were saying about the Maitlands, I agree with you about them, yes. them absolutely being screwed over. Yeah, yeah, they just, like, become these, like, jokes in the show. There's like, And there's, like, again, there's, like, they're tr- almost, like, paying lip service to, like, the arc of them becoming these new parental figures to Lydia, but, like, they're... But, like, you're removing... Some, like, they become the parental figures because, like the show because the film has that happen. So it's like, Oh, well, I guess that has to happen. But like, I feel like that work isn't really done in the musical to sort of like strengthen that relationship. Cause the, the musical is really more about Lydia and Charles sort of mending their relationship. Right. Yeah. Which sure. is wow. Which is again, like, again, these are fine things to do, but like, 
if you like, you're right. You're, you're right. They are. I'm being a again. Jerk. It is fanfic. It's fan fiction, but like, at, at, for what end? You know, it's well, like got to pull it off. I don't think they pull off the father daughter. Like that comes so no. out of nowhere, and you're supposed to find this emotional moment at the end of Act Two. I know. I, um, I agree. But but yeah. So you've got, and also I'm I'm so curious for like regional theaters to try this show out because like I feel like the this is gonna like blow out your your company's budget for the year just like trying to do this fucking show. Oh, yeah. Just like the Maitlands fall, or, or you just got to be like really fucking creative with this thing. Like the Maitlands falling into the basement, uh, just like all the puppetry, or just like everything. There's just like so many. The scene, even, like, it's one location, but there's still, like, scene changes to, like, the attic right. and the outside of the house and different rooms in the house. Um, I mean, the sandworm. And, How are they going to... Yeah, that, I mean, the sandworm alone. Yeah. Which I'm also... I'm sad that the sandworm didn't eat Beetlejuice. I'm really sad that that was not the the end of the Very, of also the very confusing at the end. I don't know if we were skipping oh, the, ahead. We'll, to we'll, get, to, we'll okay. get to the okay. end, Mike. The whole, the whole second act, Mess. like, I was, I was yelling. <laughs> I was Mess. actively yelling. Um, either way, so yeah, so now it's so, again, like, it's so strange. They're, like, setting up things from the... It's, it's just, if, if you've seen the film, it's just really confusing. That's the thing, because, like... I could like I think you you said this brand like if you hadn't seen the film before I could probably see someone enjoying it a little bit more because you don't really have a lot of strong association with that I'd, I'd be I mean, I'd be curious why you'd be seeing this show if you'd never heard of Beetlejuice or if you hadn't seen the film mm-hmm. but again like. If you've seen the film, you're like, oh, okay, the Maitlands die, and then they go into the Netherworld. But then like Beetlejuice gets the handbook and throws it in the fire, and you're like. Wait, so then what happens? <laughs> and so then he like he becomes the guide and like takes him up to the attic and it's like trying to teach him the scare or something. And it's like oh and they've like changed the rules so like it has to be an alive person who says his name three yeah, times. I noticed that too. Whatever. <laughs> it's just odd. I... Um and then yeah, so yeah, so like I guess to make Lydia a more central character, they have this like the mom dies. Like we have the funeral for the mother at that sort of what opens the show up. Mm-hmm. Um, we get also the show also opens with day. It pretty much opens the exact same way as the film. You hear Deo, and then it goes into music that pretty much sounds like Danny Danny Elfman's score. Oh yeah, um, if not exactly legally close enough that it sounds like the opening Danny Elfman score. Um, but yeah, so like her trying to like figure out reconciling with the fact that her mom is dead is sort of like, I guess just like her arc. Mm-hmm. What, however successful or unsuccessful you think it is right. like that is it's threatened. So she sings dead mom. Um, and so now Delia is their life coach. So so this is the whole thing, right? They've they've changed it that so like she isn't the stepmom. And of course, so I mean, trying to be Catherine O'Hara, like of course, like you like you, you're gonna fail. Yeah. So I guess they went the exact opposite direction. And I guess they were like, okay, so in the eighties, it was funny that Delia was like a conceptual artist. So I guess in the twenty tens. I guess she's like a like an Instagram like life coach like influencer, per- not Instagram like specifically, but like that kind of like something you would see on Instagram, sort of like a life coach, spiritual mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And listen, there's definitely comedy to be mined from that kind of world, from like a, like astrology stuff, from like life coach stuff. Sure, I get it. I just don't think they pull it off very well here. 
I think with the material that she is given, I think she is just so goddamn talented. Sure. I, I, and, and I think she has some of the, I, I think that she has some of the best moments, some of the best lines. I just, I missed it. I missed the stepmother aspect. I missed the antagonizing relationship instead of uh, Delio trying to fix her relate. I mean, maybe that's in acting school. They always said, choose the positive choice. <laughs> sure. And maybe that is the positive choice, but I, I missed it. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I agree with you. I guess it is the, the good choice for the 2010s, but also why not make it her stepmother? Why make it this extra relationship where they're hiding? Well, I guess, cause I guess, cause they're trying to wring more conflict out of it. I get, again, it's like this whole thing of like, Oh, we, you're trying to forget mom by marrying someone new. Mm. How dare you? Like about like clinging onto the past instead of moving forwards. <laughs> um, it's very strange. Yes, again, yes. like maybe this could have worked. I don't know. It's, it's an odd, it's an odd, odd duck of a thing. But then, yeah, like I feel like, Lydia is such a different character. She she's like, why are we moving here? Yeah. What are you talking about? When in, in the old film, she's like, I, I could I like live here. here. Is literally her line. Yeah. I could live here. Yeah, yeah. She's. I mean, it, again, it's like it's keeping the. It's trying to keep the like personality air quotes um, and like the visual aesthetic of the character. But she's a very different character. She just she reacts to things in very different ways. I feel she doesn't have that dourness. Mm-mm. I feel. That the film Lydia has, yeah, um, like her soul in the it's... in the film, like her soul is just heavy, and this girl in the music, she's just mad. <laughs> I guess I maybe, and I thought it was interesting. I I guess when I I haven't seen the actual movie in a in a hot minute, but as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I think this is really interesting. We're seeing the funeral at the top. She's upset about her mom, and then I went back to watch the movie, and I was like, damn, we don't talk about that at all we really don't talk about uh lydia's mom passing away no it's not even- I, I mean I, and I, I guess i guess that's that's it right i mean i guess that's what they were like they were like okay we need to do something different we need to find a way to center her and they found this one thing that yeah again like was unexplored and they're like that's it the dead mom do, 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 write a song about it. Right. I mean, and then it was interesting, Eddie Perfect, yeah, the two songs that sort of got him the gig, he like he auditioned for the gig by writing two songs, and they were Dead Mom and the whole being dead thing. Mm. And, I, and honestly, like, I could see, like, w- trying to find a composer for this thing and getting those two songs and being like, this is the guy. Like, he gets it. Like, he gets Beetlejuice and he gets Lydia. Yeah. Like, I could, I, I, I get it. I really do. Um, no reason is, I think, a great example, and I also think the 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 Maitland song "Ready Set Not Yet." Any perfect again, like like I've said, great songwriter. I think his lyrics are so wordy; they are so so wordy yes. to the point of sometimes unintelligible. So is the and, book. and sometimes, and so it feels like yes. the whole thing has a time limit and and a word ma- and like a word minimum they're trying to meet. So yes, like and it's like it, like it gets to the point where like. In, in Say My Name, where Beetlejuice is trying to get Lydia to say his name, there's like they're doing charades and it's like packed so tightly. It's like this doesn't make any sense that these characters would have this conversation at this speed. Yeah, I mean, and I know it's a, I know it's a musical about ghosts, but like it still doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, Ben, I don't know how many times I can tell you they say it's a show about death. 
Um, no, it's so- <laughs> not. They've never say they that. Do. You're lying. They do. Oh my god, you know it. <laughs> Why would you bring lies into this Zoom room? Oh my Sarah god. Costello? Well, I'm just. Oh my god. What was I going to say? There are. I I know exactly <laughs> what you mean about the charade scene, and also from the very beginning, um, Adam's like patter moment. In the beginning of the show, yes, where like even the words don't even fit into the meat, the like, the oh my god, what the, the what's the fucking word for like the like they just the, the words don't fit within the meter of the song, right? They're like poking out. And I, here's the thing: I think first time listening to that, I was I think what it was impressive is I was like, you did it, like you said all those words and you got you it. You got out. those words out. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Hot damn! Like that sounded great. I got nervous. It's one of those things where I got nervous for him. Sure. Watching him do that, but I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like they they fit too many lyrics into the music. It just it sounds off. Um, it's odd. It's odd. Um, again, and it's like it's for the sake of like there's a there's a humor to it, I suppose. But I just don't think it's I don't think it works. I don't think it reads. Um, not for me. Um, and then I've, I think we've yeah. So pretty much like the plot of Beetlejuice happens for the most part, except like they beef up. Lydia's connection with her dead mom. She fi- and then we find out that like, oh, Delia and Charles are gonna get married. Um, and this is also just like a bunch of dumb jokes, like the fucking like uh, success. Be- yeah, I got Close a boner. Su- success uh. begins with sucks, ends with yes, yeah, sucks yes. Stupid. I'm sorry. Like great. So clunky. Uh, there's not just a lot of clunkers. I'm sorry. There's a lot of clunky jokes. I just it's and I whatever Trader um, Joe's parking lot line long. Oh, line, I that um, I yeah. couldn't even hear it. Some I, liberal bullshit. I, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know what? And it's funny. I think some of the uh, I guess I don't know how to describe it, but I thought some of the best jokes in the show um, were probably not ones that were originally written. Like when uh, Brightman takes out his card, but then it's for Dolly Levi. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I the, the one moment that made me laugh the most is so there's that song like Fright of Their Lives where they're like up in the attic and Beetlejuice like is having like he's like I'm not gonna help these guys get scared and he like he gets mad at them and he b- throws down a smoke bomb and he's like I'm gone and he's just standing there. I was like that's funny. That's funny. Classic. That's a, that's a good. That's a good. And then like he like is at the door and he's just like hey guys. Fuck you guys. And he just leaves. Mm-hmm. Just like this dumb, dumb bits whatever. Dumb bits delivered well. Uh, oh, man. I had a lot of feelings about that because, I don't know, as a comedian improviser person in my head, I'm like, oh, sure. If you got to go, the, if you got to, I mean, he swore, in my version, he swore three times. And I'm like, if you got to drop that more than once, like, sure. are you doing your job? But I could see that moment in particular, I would take that and say something different every fucking night. Sure. And I think that there was, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that was the one night where he did something like that. Maybe that is his opportunity to play with it, so. I, I, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is a fun role to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this is like a, fu- I'm sure this is just a, a blast to do. Um, also, and I think there's literally one scene where he's just like, well, bye. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess that's the way to leave the scene. Um, the act ends with Deo, which again, this is sort of like what I'm talking about. Harry Belafonte is not outside of that intro. Like he's not established, mm. like as like a thing that exists within the diegesis of Beetlejuice oh, the musical. God. Oh yeah, Lord, I know I'm pulling out oh, the fucking yeah. fifteen dollar words here. We're a serious <laughs> I'm podcast. Put, like reverb um, on the back of that. 
<laughs> Diet Jesus Diet Yes <laughs> But either way Yeah so like Obviously like I said In the film The Maitlands are listening To Harry, Bond, Harry Belafonte They are clearly fans Here the act just ends With Deo Because the film Has Deo in it mm. Like there's no Like I, The logic Like the logic Is that it's in the movie And it's like No 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 you are the fan fiction Beetlejuice. You gotta find. You gotta figure out what works for you here, my it's friend. It's a musical. You gotta write your own song. Yeah, exactly. You can't put your banana boat song here. Um, but yeah, and but again, and it's like like we said before in the the mu- or we alluded to before in the musical. It's not Harry Belafonte's voice or another singer's voice coming out of their mouths. It is just them singing Deo, which is like okay, like again, like they're committing to the bit. Good on ya. Fun times, but I'm just like it's just it's a different joke, and I just don't think it's as funny of a joke. No, yeah, that's my pee. Yeah. I I, I yeah. like I like the pig puppet. I mm. like like that's a fun choice. The pig comes to life. Good choice. Fun choice. Um, and creepy. and of course I I love that like the the Robert Goulet stand in brings like a team of lawyers so that they for an so they have an excuse to have an ensemble in that <laughs> scene. Great. It's clever, I guess. Sure. Uh, listen, you gotta ha- you gotta figure out your concessions. You gotta find your you gotta get your excuses in there somewhere. Um, but then uh, then we get all like huge diversion at the end of Act One. So after this, they're like, "Oh no!" Lydia's like, "Oh no, uh, we're ruined!" And so she says Beetlejuice uh, three times. He comes in and he scares him out, and then that ends the act. And yeah, like my wife and I were just like. Oh, now what? There's a whole, there's a whole second act that we gotta do. <laughs> I has this. It's at, odd. At this point, have we seen? This isn't the roof scene, is it? We haven't seen. The, oh no, yeah, sorry. The roof scene has happened. Okay, already, okay, yes. all right. See, Same that's the man. problem. That's the problem. Is that I? Ugh, when you're when you're thinking about the movie, this timeline is so choppy. It's yes. it's all over the place, and I can't <laughs> keep track. <laughs> I, I really, I, I spent most of this movie being irate because I thought that they were going to cut the waiting room scene. And then they made me wait until sure. the very end. Ugh. I know. The, the whole just sort of the existence of the netherworld in this musical is so, just the way they use it is just so odd. And the, so, and also like the musical manufactures like this weird, like, mommy issue thing with Beetlejuice and then they like retcon that like Juno is now Beetlejuice's mom it's just like it's it's like some like fucking like Star Wars Rise of Skywalker Uh shit it's Uh like (laughs) it's like oh some somehow Juno is Beetlejuice's mother now (laughs) yeah I don't stupid I mean her name's Juno Juice you never saw her last name That's the reveal. You zoom in on her name tag. What's your name? What's your name? Juno. Juno what? Juno. Juice. Oh my god. It's like... The twin sons. Brandon, it's like you said earlier about like the father-daughter thing. It's like that's what they were trying to do, but it didn't work. They didn't get there. That's exactly the same thing with this mom set up. Like they just... They... I mean... It's worked before. It's a trope that's worked before, and yet I think for that's this what they're one, counting on. Literally, it's like ah, this yes. works every time. Just I, she misses her mom. We're done. Go, go home. Credits. 
Um, so, but so yeah, so the second act's a mess. I feel like that's just the thing, the way it's just like they've they are both they've both like just like thrown things off the tracks from like what the original uh, Beetlejuice plot is, but they also like have to like pay homage to like moments and narrative points from the film. So it's like they like they're trying they're, so they're trying to like mix those two missions. And it just, you can't. Like, the, the emotional payoff for the, st- for the stuff from the film, like, isn't there. And then, like, the new stuff, like, what is the new stuff? It's just, it's confusing. Because you're trying to mix it in with stuff that we know. Right. Um, you have the Girl Scout opening, which, again, I, I contend is my favorite song. I think it's a very fun moment. <laughs> you have that beautiful sound, which, okay, sure, like, they're, they're scaring a bunch of folks fun whatever you got I a like bunch of beetlejuices beetlejuices i like a lot of beetlejuices yeah yeah listen who needs one beetlejuice i we need to have 12 i mean i told you more beetlejuice pile it on let's get it what is the what is the plural of beetlejuice uh, uh beetlejuice <laughs> beetles juice beetles beetles juice oh um, no um, but then, so, because then what happens, right? We get, uh... Let me see. Um, I tried to write down... I was about to say, you, you got notes, uh, right? I have Barbara 2.0, which I don't think we needed to come back to. <laughs> but again, like, this is, again, this is, like, trying to justify, like, the Maitland's existence in this musical still. But but then the Maitland's only the little ones who, like, what do the Maitland's do in the second? I guess the Maitland's, like, do stuff during Creepy Old Guy, which I guess we'll get into. But, like, the Maitland's, like, don't go to the netherworld. But again, they're, they're like, completely fucked over. They're completely sidelined. There's nothing to act. like about them, like, in any part of the show. Yeah, I mean, again, some of the songs you like are fine, th- but like, there's not like character-wise, there's nothing to invest in. You 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 like them because they were the protagonists of the film. Yeah, that's like, why else would they be here? Again, they just they just should have done another story about different characters who die who have to deal with Beetlejuice, and maybe Lydia's like grow may, or do a sequel. Maybe like now just do the talking. sequel to yeah. Beetlejuice, yeah. where like yeah. Lydia's grown up or something, or Lydia's like an old like a early twenty something. Like I don't know if if you want to do this, just tell a new story, right? Because yeah, like they like yeah. So like Beetlejuice is like we're gonna get married. He keeps uh, saying it's a green card thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they go to the yeah. It's it's such a bunch of just like nonsense of just like we gotta go from one thing to the other. Um, the second act is a, such a strange hodgepodge. Um, somehow, oh, and then Otho comes in, and again, I feel like Otho's just completely screwed over uh, from the film where he's like a again, like again, like I guess like making fun of just like weird cult leader <laughs> nonsense i don't even know using yeah. that so there is so there is actually an album of demos from the beetlejuice musical huh. that you can listen to it's available it's and it's eddie perfect singing them um and you can sort you can hear like his original demo for like dead mom and hold being dead thing and they're pretty fun it's like cute to sort of like hear like where these things started off from and there's one uh god there's actually one uh pretty funny uh, like demo song uh, from Beetlejuice. Um, I believe it's called like "I'm Very Good at Cults," <laughs> which I guess was written for Otho. Um, and it's just like a very—it's a very dumb song, but it's very funny. Um, so I would—I would recommend seeking that out. Amazing. <laughs> um, 
for whatever reason. Yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of very interesting demos. There's like a bunch of like different opening numbers that are on the CD or this album. Um, different Delia numbers, uh, yeah, like demos of songs that we got. But yeah, I am very good at running cults. It's a fun, silly song. Um, and I, I wish that Otho had had a number because I, he deserves one. Justice for Otho. Yeah. Um, hashtag Justice for Otho 2021. Tweet it at us, folks. <laughs> um, but then, so what, through whatever uh, machinations of the script, uh, Lydia and uh, Charles end up in the netherworld and they run into uh miss argentina finally inex- inexplicably played by the same actor who plays delia um oh, strange what? who i looked yes. up i i was really upset about it because of the accent but she is puerto rican um, yes, yes 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 so but i was worried about that um, i know strange but again <laughs> but also uh, yeah so and they sing the song called like what i know now and it's like again, it's like taking that one line from the from that scene in the film and stretching it out to a whole big dead. Pe- and it's, again, it's like it's I don't know if it's like just an excuse to get like the shrunken head guy in and some of that like film dead people iconography onto the stage. Whatever, whatever. It's a fine song. Um, they sing the heck out of it. Um, and then Lydia. I guess attempts to wrap up her arc in one song uh, called home, which is I, Oh, so, like, and is that, and so like she sings the first half of the song. There's like a half hearted reunion reconciliation with Charles. And then she it sings the second half of the song. It hurts too much to say her name. That's Emily. the guy's <laughs> Why is their name always Emily? Better than Martha. <laughs> I oh yes it is. God. <laughs> I mean that's that's honestly what it should have been. Beetlejuice and Lydia should have just both had moms named Martha. <laughs> then we would have. That's then this thing would have uh, really you know clicked. Beetlejuice saying that line. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> Save Martha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Martha Juice. Um, but either way, no, but yeah. And then Juno comes out and they, they're able to like replicate that effect. Good on them. But then she's like, again, she's just like a crotchety character. She's just like, like you take the essence of just Juno being an old dead woman with a slit in her throat and just, that's it. And she's just a completely different, like she could have just been anyone. At, I don't know. Yeah. It's so her like, why even do that? Her acting remind me of the like, uh, Teller in Monsters, Monsters Univ- Inc. Our, our Monsters Inc. Yeah, she reminds me of the uh, old um, Excuse me, Monsters. her name is Roz. Put some Hello, fucking respect on that name. <laughs> I'm watching you, Wazowski. Now we're gonna do all reminds fucking me Roz, Roz impressions. Sure, that is completely fair. Um, either way, they get back. Um, they they pull this. They pull a fun prank on Beetlejuice. Where uh, they say that they're gonna get married. There's still the marriage thing, yeah. So Lydia's gonna marry, and they, and she sings the song "Creepy Old Guy." I... Weird song. Why? Weird song. Why? And, and I guess that yeah. So the Maitlands like do their puppetry on like the skeleton ensemble. I guess to trick Beetlejuice into thinking. Those skeletons. Oh, absolutely! Great. Those skeletons are great. That was great. And again, I don't. And again, like I don't like to focus on production stuff mainly because this is about adaptation. But those scripts are fuck. I mean, those those skeletons are fucking great. They're so good. Honestly, they're so good. Good boys. 
Good, Good Bone Boys. Good Bone Good Boys. Bone boys. I, uh, the Creepy Guy song really uh, rubbed me the wrong way, especially at the end where they were like, we can't believe this is fine in different cultures. And I was like, hot take, Beetlejuice the musical. <laughs> that underage marriage is bad? <laughs> what? Okay, okay, and this, so this, and this, I want to, I want to sort of like bring this to a larger, a larger point where we talk, just talking about Beetlejuice as a character in this show. Um, Cause as I like, as I said, like in the film, Beetlejuice feels like a threat. He's gross. He's funny. But at the end of the day, he is the villain of the piece. Sure. Um, in the musical, I feel like his role shifts so much. Yeah. He starts off as like the fun sort of like, annoying but like anti-hero sidekick co-lead and then like top of act two they're like oh no he's the villain now you see i was like okay well i guess he's the villain now i guess that's fine but then he becomes like the hero at the end of the act like his his character like i don't know again like i don't know what they're doing with him outside of the fact that beetlejuice just existed in previous media like i don't get what his role is here so what happens at the very end juno shows up and kicks him out and then he yeah, juno- comes back and eats her yes Ju- yeah so juno kick because yeah like the juno kicks him out of the front door but then he comes back riding the sandworm wearing a cowboy hat cool. and the sandworm eats juno Cool, oh, cool sandworm. Cool Great sandworm. sandworm. Cool sandworm. I agree with that. Um, and then he does. And then he does come back. He says his goodbyes. Um, he does say to uh, Delia. Um, I think he, he like says the wrong name, and he's just like, "We didn't hang out that much." That's great <laughs> and line. He just leaves. Good bit. And then I. And he does say, of course, he says to Lydia, "Of course, I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow." <laughs> Easy joke, but good joke. Um, like I'll I'll let him have it. Um, and then he just leaves. Um, and he like comments to the audience sequel, and everyone was like, "No, no. <laughs> except don't everyone, even bow. Except- You're not reading the room." <laughs> except it seems like I mean the audience had such a good time, and that's I read it. Interview- we're gonna we're gonna get okay. into that. We're gonna, we're gonna okay. get okay. into sorry, sorry. we're gonna get into the audience. Uh, okay. the, sort of just the general reception. Perfect. Yeah. And then the show ends again, the show ends, uh, with, uh, jump in the line because that's how the movie ends. Um, and, but yeah, and it ends with like Lydia, like reconciled with Charles and I guess maybe Delia. I don't know. Um, and like reunited with the Maitlands, but again, like the Maitlands as parental figures just isn't really well established in the musical. Again, it just happens because it happens in the film. Uh, and then uh, the musical ends, and then uh, confetti is sprayed out on the audience because it's a Broadway musical oh in the 2010s. Oh no! <laughs> There's always confetti. Um, so there's uh, taking all the worst lessons from Blue Man Group. <laughs> <laughs> all the wrong things. What? What other lessons are there to be taken from Blue Man Group? Percussion is cool. Marshmallows <laughs> Percussion are Percussion is cool. <laughs> that's all you need. Bring somebody up on stage, you know. Nope, that's a bad lesson to learn from it. <sighs> so, again, if you want to, like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep coming back to this, like, cake and eat it too thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it is just, like, it's trying to do, it's trying to both appease people who like the film but also, like, it, also, I hate that, like, the redesign of the house in the second act, like, Beetlejuice redesigns it. It's not, like, it's, it's like they're using the iconography of Delia's art from the film. And it's like, no, that shit was there because she's a 
dumb bad sculptor. Yeah. Not like that's not what Beetle Beetle just doesn't give a shit about interior design. He's a he likes gross shit. Yeah, he likes the Whip. the neon um, signs and all that stuff. Like, yeah, he's a he likes he goes he goes to that fucking like the he goes to the strip club, the strip club. in the film <laughs> that Juno pl- planted there for him. So good, um, great. That's a fun fun little fun little bit. Great bit. Um, but yeah, it's like if you there is so much iconography from the film placed in the musical that is there to appease fans of the movie. But if you're a fan of the movie, you're going to realize that, like, this thing is so incompatible with how the film works. Yeah. I don't, like, and again, like, if you wanted to do so much different stuff with Beetlejuice, write your own Beetlejuice show. Mm-hmm. He's a character that can, that clearly can work in other scenarios. They made a whole goddamn cartoon about him. They were good. They wanted to make a sequel to the film uh, called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> would love to would love to see him in a tropical paradise. Oh, you know what? I the would fi- I would watch that. I'd pay to see that. Of, of course you would, Sarah <laughs> Costello. Could have done an origin That's, story. That's those are very popular. Yeah, yeah listen, um yeah. <laughs> we live in a we live in a society. <laughs> Just Joker but with oh, Beetlejuice. Oh my god. I yeah. When you when you Murray, when you call me on stage, can you call me Beetlejuice? Say it three times, Murray. <laughs> uh, I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I think my life was a nice fucking model. <laughs> Honk. Honk. Oh, oh man! No. But enough about all fan fiction. People love this show. This show. Blew up. It was. It was initially not. It's, it's, it's talking about this. The original production. Um, it was initially like doing so-so at the box office, um, but then like peep. Then just like it turned around and it actually became like something of a of a hit at the Winter Garden Theater. Um, it got eight Tony nominations. Didn't win any. Didn't win any Tonys. It was in the same season as Hades Town. Oh, a better fine. musical. Oh, um, yes. a musical rather a musical that I like more. If you if you will, um, but yes, it was just it didn't it didn't have a chance, um, but yeah, and then it, it uh, as with uh, all Broadway shows, uh, in and at the beginning of the pandemic, it closed and unfortunately will not reopen. Um, but yeah, it, so I want to ask like why young people love this show? That's the thing as well. It's like it's like the TikTok folk mm-hmm. and the like. It's like teenagers and like early twenty somethings love this show. What is it? What What do you think it is about this musical that I, I, I say this like as a, a burgeoning thirty-something trying to interrogate why the youth like this thing? Like no, like, but like genuinely, like what do you think it is about Beetlejuice the musical that people like have such a strong fandom for it? Uh, if you If you don't mind, Brandon, I I have an idea. I I think you're right about the the TikTok crew, um, and I think it's definitely. A hit with Gen Z. First of all, I don't think... I feel like a lot of them have not seen the movie. I feel like a lot of them might go backwards with our experience where they'll see the musical and then they'll go and watch the movie. Um, And like I said, if I had never seen the movie, I think I would have enjoyed this because I would have no... Sure. I would have had no reference for it. And it still would have been like a, a, a... 
a new different story that I hadn't seen before and, and a pretty creative one. And I also yeah. think there's something to be said. I wonder if it's like musicals can be pretty hard to get for some people to get into when you're younger and, and you think of it as only like Hello Dolly or Oklahoma sure. or The Sound of Music. I wonder if it's because that this musical is like accessible in that way. It's yeah. catchy. It's dark, which Gen Z, God love them. They are a dark bunch. They deserve to be, but they, <laughs> they got a lot, they got a lot to worry about. So I wonder if that, if that like dry sardonic humor that kind of comes out just resonates with them. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Bran? Well, I mean, I was going to say, it's like, it's kind of on that same line. Like, it's like the only subversive thing that's been on Broadway since sure. I don't know you're in town. Like seriously, sure. and like what yeah. else is there that's not that's that's anything other than like Greatest Showman was about to be or no I'm sorry not Greatest Showman Music Man oh, was you. like going to be the next thing with Hugh Jackman coming to Broadway. Like yeah. that's, what yeah. else is there? <laughs> you know, like yeah, I mean I would say I would yeah I would. S- I would say from a musical comedy perspective, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe like Drowsy Chaperone, but even that's like still like, uh, like it's it's subversive, but like subversive for like, um, a very different oh, generation too. of theater goers. Twenty years yes, before exactly. this, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the 2005. Yeah, that's fifteen you know, years ago. You know what's a good? You know what's a good comparison? Book of Mormon. Oh, sure. There you go. Like, in the yeah. way that it's, like, oh, it's, like, edgy, and, you know, there's, like, uh, music that's super inappropriate or, like, this or that, but, like, it's it's funny, it's catchy, it's accessible. Like, I think I think you're right about the yeah. subversive but thing. But this show is not catchy. Well. And funny is more of a subjective <laughs> thing, but the show, like, <laughs> sure. we've talked about, I've, what, there's, the songs are not memorable. Yeah, they, they, they are very, like, of a, of a piece with each other in a way that, like, isn't helpful. Yeah. Uh, or memorable. But it's, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah, because I me, mean, like, looking at sort of, like, show, it's, I'm always fascinated by the shows that, like, the, the Tumblr, the, I don't know if the kids use Tumblr. I, I'm making God. myself sound so no, fucking No, I'm, I'm on that for the memes. I get it. I don't post anything. Gotcha. But, like the, like, the Tumblr and TikTok folk, like, I'm always fascinated by, like, the shows that, like, catch on. Like, even something like Next to Normal, which is, like, a show about, like, bipolar disorder. Like, Jesus the kids Christ. like that thing? Um, it's fascinating. Um, what, but I, but I mean, like thinking about, like, I would say, like, yeah, from a comedic perspective, like this is sort of like the only show that's like trying to actually do something like new. I mean, in quotes and interesting. Like, yeah, because like I say, the other shows they latch onto are like, like Hades Town, which is like good but serious, yeah. or like the new Oklahoma revival, which is super subversive in its own way. But that's more from like a dramatic, like theatrical perspective yeah. rather than from a place of humor, right? Um. Yeah, I think you're right. This is, like, one of the only... Because, yeah, like, unfortunately, just because of how theater works in this country, most attention is put on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And so, they and so like, and like if you're looking to spread memes and, like, stuff nationally, that's where your material is going to come from. Right. Um, right. So this is what they got. I wish it was... It's, I wish it was more of its own thing than trying to be its own thing and an homage to the film, yeah. but it is what it is. Um, God bless him. I'm, I am, I am forever. I am excited for everything that everyone on this project is going to work on next. No question about I think it. That's, that's a great, great way. Yeah. way to say that. <laughs> yes. I, I, 
Yeah, again, I can only reiterate, I I think that they they created something insane and and out of this world, like production value, talent, everything like that. I I just I totally agree where you're coming from. I I wish it was a little different, but I think they're going to go on and create great things because they're all freaking yes. talented people. Yes. And I and I only wish for the younger generations better shows on Broadway that they yeah. can that better more interesting accessible shows for them and hey maybe even lower ticket prices wouldn't oh, that be something God. um Speaking i love like, they like this show oh, cost 21 million dollars uh a lot and, and i'm pretty sure it did not recoup its investments it was, however like you were saying it it started selling so much better um towards the end that it was like making a million a week um, yeah, and um, what before the pandemic was looking to already fail to recoup its investment because it had to leave Winter Garden for Hugh Jackman's yeah. The Music Man. However, yeah. nothing's playing now, so who cares? Sorry, Hugh. Who knows? Oh Broadway, Broadway is an open abyss of nothing right now. Um, but what will the musicals of the future be? Well, maybe we have one in this very room because. As always, at the end, Sarah, Sarah Costello, our esteemed guest, Sarah Costello, at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals, we ask our guest a very important question. And so here is that question. If you could adapt a movie into a musical that has not already been adapted, what movie would you choose? Okay, this, uh, I don't, this is going to be a very genuine answer. I could have, you know, of course, I love a bit, but this is a genuine answer. I choose. Everyone, everyone up till this point has given genuine answers. So you are in great company. Good. This can be genuine. I, (laughs) that's true. I choose uh, the 2000 romance drama, Chocolate. Wow. Chocolate. (laughs) Tell us more. I... Love this movie. I watch it every spring because it ends up uh, dealing with um, the Easter holidays. Uh, If you're not familiar with this movie, uh, it's got a great cast. It's got Juliette Binoche. It's got Alfred Molina. It's got Johnny Depp. It's got Judi Dench. And uh, it revolves around uh, uh, Juliette Binoche, who has a daughter. She's a single mother. And she has this... um, beautiful cultural tradition of making chocolate and she's really just like a a tumbleweed she rolls wherever the the wind takes her um and she opens this beautiful chocolate shop in this tiny little french town and that's very religious and everyone hates her for it they think she is the epitome of sin of of gluttony of uh, just um all of the uh all of the things that could be wrong with eating chocolate (laughs) they think that she's the epitome of and especially the mayor of the town who is alfred molina great And he especially does not like Julia Binoche. And he has the the priest under his finger um, who makes him give these sermons about how it's almost a Lenten season. You need to be, uh, you know, you need to stay away from these beautiful, uh, wonderful things that you want to indulge in. And it's got just an incredible cast of characters between Judy Dench playing a heartbreaking 
crotchety old woman who just wants to have a relationship with her grandson again. There's um, another actor in the in the movie who is getting out of a, a, a relationship where um, that's filled with domestic violence. I I think that this it would not be the most upbeat musical at all. But I think the characters sure. the characters are layered. And uh, the music itself, the original score, is gorgeous. It it, it almost uh, sounds like the feeling of spreading a warm chocolate across like a marble slab. And I just oh yeah, it's uh, Rachel Portman, wonderful composer. Yeah, I it's it's just gorgeous. And there's a couple of different, you know, there's this um, this. Uh, a, like a more uh, traditional, um, I believe she has an indigenous background, um, making, you know, this chocolate from generations where she learned it um, from her parents and her mother. Um, so that that beautiful influence of the music between the French, very conservative town, um, and there's uh, uh, several river rats, um, one of whom is Johnny Depp with an Irish accent, which is a totally different, um, a totally different uh, area, uh, a totally different genre of music. I think it could have a beautiful mix of different types of music. I just want to hear Judy Dench's character um, sing a ballad uh, uh, because the the woman comes to the chocolate shop every day, even though she pretends to hate Juliette Binoche, even though she's diabetic and she always comes for a cup of hot chocolate. And I just, <laughs> I adore this movie. And I think it would be, um, if only I could remember, what's the Jason Robert Brown movie or musical with Laura Benanti's ex-husband? There's a bridge involved. Madison the Bridges County. of Madison County. The Bridges of Madison County. I was going to say Bridge to Terabithia, but that's not it. <laughs> uh, Very different story. <laughs> um, but I think it would be. It, it, I'm I'm imagining it with a, with that sort of um, kind of a little bit of gravitas with the, almost like a little night music, things like that. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Hopefully, I haven't rambled too long about that. But I no, just... no, you are you are right on par with with where with where things go. Um, as someone who has never seen the film Chocolat <gasps> and didn't really know a lot about it, you, I, I gotta see. I ha- clearly have to see this uh, film. Uh, Julie Dench won the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Supporting Actress for this role. Uh, this is, of course, Lasse Hallstrom's two thousand. Chocolat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good. Good choice. I. And it, it feels like the kind of movie they would absolutely, in like the next five to ten years, adapt anyway. You know, so. and I had to pick a film. I had to pick something that I wouldn't be so protective over that I'd be pissed off if they changed it. So we're going with Chocolat because I think that that would be perfect. Uh, Brian, have you seen Chocolat? No, I have not. Oh, well. It's okay. That's a, that's a damn shame. <laughs> Apparently, apparently this film is a masterpiece. It should have won the Nobel Prize, according to Sarah Costello. All right, all right. I could have said, Ben, I could have said Moonstruck, and we would have been here all night, okay? We would be here all night. I could have said Moonstruck. Sure, won an Oscar for that. But no, I said Chocolat. Would John Patrick Shanley do the adaptation of Moonstruck? In a heartbeat. What is he doing? (laughs) (laughs) And it would be great. It would be incredible. But the guy who played Nick Cage would not get it right. And then I'd have to walk directly into traffic. You you would play him. I think. You would play Nicolas Cage. And then it would be Ben has seen me read Nicolas Cage. And, uh... Yes. Oh, God. 
Love See, good. Man. You're a good Nicolas Cage. He looks um, good. As an adult, as in an general, adult now, as a guy now, have you seen him in uh, the history of history swear words? of swear words? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. A He's million great. bucks. <laughs> Am I drunk? What what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, you're drunk on Canada Dry. <laughs> Absolutely. Drunk on um, the juice. Sir- <laughs> you're drunk, drunk on, the on the juice. Anyway, um, Sarah Costello. Thank you so much for being here. Um, where, what, what, what do you have to plug? Where can we find you? Oh my goodness! Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Sarah S A R A Costi C O S T Y. Um, and uh, right now, I'm just uh, working on satirical articles, but I'm currently putting together uh, a solo show, a video solo show that's going to come out Hell this yeah. spring. So watch out for that into it um we will have you back whenever they adapt moonstruck into a musical so that you can be our guest talk so about I'll it never see you again wonderful thank you yeah very much. um and continuing i want to thank brand moorhead as always for producing and editing this show i want to thank everyone who is listening for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, subscribe for future episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie the Musical. If you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content, go to patreon.com slash movie the musical and consider becoming a monthly member um i've officially uh as of this recording i have officially come up with the title for the bonus podcast that you will get if you subscribe to the patreon Drumroll. uh it is called movie the musical the movie which is our pod which is our podcast our bonus patreon podcast where we talk about movies that are musicals beautiful so get ready for that by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Or you can say um, that full title three, title three times, times. And we'll show up in your <laughs> inbox. <laughs> and keep on singing. And remember, this is a podcast about death. No! <laughs> oh, God damn it. It's showtime! Showtime, baby! <laughs> Poifects. <laughs>